I'm Bill Lipinski, and we've only and got I, two people today. And I'm Ray Anania. Don't forget me, Bill. Just run right through me. No, I said two people. You and I, our <laughs> producer, is, uh, I think, still in California. He went to uh, the Home Run Derby. He went to the oh. All-Star Game. And I think he's visiting the Ronald Reagan Library in California wow. also. Mm -hmm. Wow. Have you ever been to that library? No, I have not. It's terrible that I haven't. Why don't we uh, put one in Dixon, Illinois? I drive by it all the time. Don't they have one in Dixon? I, I don't know if it's a presidential library, is it? Oh, it's a presidential library, but I think it's a Ronald Reagan library. Yeah, I want. I'd love to see that. I think that would be something very cool. Yes, so we got a bunch of uh, topics, right? That we're going to talk about the the U.S. military. Why haven't? Why hasn't it had much success over the years? Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the Democratic Convention. And we should throw J.B. Pritzker in there, right? Because he's going to be running for president. That'd be a perfect stage for him. Her yes, speed, please. her uh, speed cameras. And then uh, we'll end it with a few comments about the uh, Trump uh, hearings, the special committee hearings on the January 6th uh, violence and protests. Very good. A lot of things. So the military, it, it, that's your column that you're writing for this coming week. That, column is, is, my next column really is going to be, uh, where do we go? in Ukraine. What is our position going to be? Uh, does the right. president, the State Department, uh, the uh, foreign affairs people, the uh, Defense Department know what our end game is? Uh, what will victory look like? Well, that got me into our military. And our military, even though it is the best trained, best equipped, high motivation, really has not had an awful lot of success since the end of World War II. Uh, the Korean War turned out to be a tie on the 50-yard line. We eventually walked away from uh, Vietnam and let our allies be overrun by the North Vietnamese. There's a and we, lo we lost 62,000 plus people in that war in Vietnam. Absolutely. A huge number. Yes. Uh, we did uh, win the first Gulf War where we drove Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. Yes, out of Kuwait. Thank you. I'm glad I. I we we drove Arab names. Didn't we drive? We drove a, an ally of ours who we were funding as our front person against Iran, uh, which also, by the way, ended in a stalemate. Right, the Iraq-Iran war that we yes, backed absolutely. Saddam Hussein. I that ended. We stopped back at him. That's why it ended in a stalemate. Yeah, and, and right. And then, um, as you said, we we really didn't win a war uh, when we, you know, chased them out of Kuwait. We basically just forced them out of Kuwait, and that was it. And then we stopped at that point. We didn't well, do much more. We won in uh, Grenada. Took us a couple uh, hours, but we won in Grenada. Uh, we got Noriega out of Panama. That took us about two and a half days. Remember, we played all that m music? Uh, and it finally drove him almost crazy, and he surrendered. A big war. I remember that. Yeah, so our biggest war was the one that we could have sent the Boy Scouts probably to win. Wasn't there also one in an island in, involving Argentina? There's so oh, many the of these. Little, the Falklands. Yeah, or that was the British or us? Well, that was the British, but we had to pull their neck out of the noose in that one yeah. also. I forgot so all we, about that one. So my, we my only... Is this. Our military is by far the best trained, uh, the best equipped, 
the highest motivation military force on this planet. But we have not had the success we should have because I believe our civilians have been disorganized and not really understood what we committed to do in the various countries that we sent our military in. Now, we don't have any military that we know of in Ukraine, okay? It's simply billions and billions of American dollars and American equipment in Ukraine. But I cannot tell you what will victory look like. Right. And we can't do anything on Russian territory. You know, it has to all be fought in Ukraine. I mean, just like we couldn't go into China when we were fighting the Korean War. Oh, no, 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 we, we can't do that. Even though they had a million troops already in South Korea fighting against us. Uh, and, and the same thing during the Vietnam War. We, we, we had to stop it. We couldn't even go to Cambodia legally because no. we were worried about uh, some of the Chinese troops that might be there uh, that we would run into. My point is that, you know, if we're going to get ourselves involved in these foreign military operations, we have to know what the game plan is. We have to know what the end game is and what it's going to look like. We should not be sacrificing our men, our money, our military equipment, unless we know exactly what we want to get out of it. And I, in Viet, uh, excuse me, in Ukraine, I don't think we know what we want to get out of it. Yeah, I listen, I think we know what we want to get out of it, but are we going to get it? I, I'm not quite sure. This is going to be another war where I don't know, uh, I guess, how we define the word win. Because right now, um, you know, we're kind of playing a backhanded game. The Russians have the opportunity to win and the, uh, and the opportunity to end in a deadlock. Those are two things that will happen to them. But you got to admit that because of us, Russia uh, threatened to go in there and in three days take over the whole of Ukraine. Absolutely. That would have sent a chill through all of Europe had he done that. But I think what the one thing this war exposed is how poorly organized Russia really is, what a bad leadership Putin is, um, and that he'll go to any lengths. I, I even consider, you know, when you bomb a, a civilian uh, uh, shopping mall, or neighborhoods, those are war crimes. I think that even if we do end up at a stalemate where the war stops, and it'll only be when uh, Putin runs out of weapons and men, and he's, he's really suffering, I think. Um, I think he need, we, the win would be when we prosecute him for war crimes. And I, I think that could happen like Saddam Hussein. I think that's a long way down the line though. That's uh, true, it could I mean, be. I- you know, I think the Ukrainians have done a great job fighting off the Russians. I am glad that we have been supporting them. I wish some of the European countries, other than giving lip service to the cause, would be much stronger giving them money, giving them military weapons. To me, the only countries that are really pulling their weight are Poland and Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia. Germany, France, oh, I forget, I always forget the UK. They are doing a very good job also. But that that's about it. Italy, yeah. nothing. Right. Italy, Turkey, Turkey, the Middle East. I'm nothing. not sure Turkey's on our side. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. There's some real serious questions about the Middle East, even though Iran, who the Middle East really is worried about, is one of Putin's biggest allies at this point. Iran is doing everything they can to help the Russians. 
And even though we're fight, you know, in the Middle East, they scream about Iran, but they won't say anything. And I think it has to do with, you know, economy and money. But doesn't this tell us, uh, isn't this what the real problem is that we've gotten to? Russia has embedded itself in a, in a, in a different way, but much like China, into the Western economies, so much so that we can't break from them without hurting ourselves seriously? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we could break for them much quicker, uh, the Europeans could, if we were allowed to pump all the oil and gas that we have in this country and supply those European countries that now depend upon Russia with our supply of gas and oil. But unfortunately, because of the climate change, President Biden doesn't want to pump any more oil, doesn't want to put forth any more gas, but you know, he says because he doesn't want to pollute the environment. But right. he goes to Saudi Arabia and he asks them to produce more oil. Isn't that going to pollute, uh, pollute the environment? What's the difference if we do it or the Saudi Arabians do it? Well, here's here's the real problem because I, I covered that trip from you know because obviously you know you know in full disclosure. I write for a newspaper that's based in Saudi Arabia that covers the whole Gulf. Uh, but um, what I learned was that, yeah, they can increase the amount of oil that they send us, get uh, oil, but we don't have the refinery capacity to process it into gasoline. That Russia has a huge refinery capacity, and that's one of their advantages over us. So even if they dump more oil into the United States, our big problem is we can't refine it into gasoline. And I don't think the, you know, that uh, what, that, what that would help the, us. What about the Europeans? Don't they have any uh, capacity to refine? They're, they're dependent almost solely on the Russians. They built up a dependence on the Russians. We thought Boris Yeltsin and all them, um, you know, they were going to be our buddies. We thought it was all over. And look what happened. You know, a country can't get away from its destiny. Russia was always going to be a Soviet communist bully, uh, despite an effort to try to be democratic. Well, their entire history, they have been run, run by a dictator. A Tyrants. Dictator on the left, a dictator on the right, when it was right. an empire, when it was communist, you know, and now whatever it is underneath Putin, there's one person running the whole shebang all the time. And, you know, the sad part is, you know, I studied Russian history and the czar. I read a lot of books. It's very fascinating stuff. But when you trace the lineage of all these tyrants, they all go back to Europe. They're all European from European families that extended their power into different countries. Um, I think Tsar Nicholas was a cousin of the Queen of England. Um, she couldn't do anything to help her cousin when the, you know, the uh, when the uh, Cossacks, you know, took them and then later killed them. So, yeah, you're right, though, that Russia has always been run by tyrants. And uh, that is probably we should accept that fact. But we need to go back to the way we were vigilant. Can we trust Russia? You know, Absolutely to. Not. Yeah, I agree. We, we can't. I mean, let's let me ask you, what do you think would happen if uh, Putin won this war? short-term and long-term. Well, see, I have, most people believe that if he wins this war, then he's going to roll right into Poland, roll right into the Baltic uh, states. I don't think so. 
I, I think that he was shocked by the people who wound up supporting Ukraine when they were not a member of NATO. I think it will be a long time before he moves on any other nation in Europe. Uh, right. But, so but, but Bill, isn't, isn't that because we stood up to him? Because oh, yes, let's just true. say, had he rolled through Ukraine, he never would have saw uh, all these other countries stand up to him. And don't you think that if he could have rolled through Ukraine in three days like he thought he was going to do originally, that he'd be sitting there looking at Poland? Because he would not know the resistance that he's facing today until he went through this. What are we in the three and a half, more than three months of a war? He has, I agree with you now. He's realized he can't just go into Poland, even if he wins the Ukraine. But I don't think he's going to win the Ukraine. Well, I hope he doesn't win Ukraine. But uh, if you give him the provinces that are now controlled by the Russian army, uh, would that be victory enough for him? And victory enough for Ukraine? Personally, I you know I know this is a tough thing. I, I agree with your premise that we are pouring a lot of money into something that has made our lives a little rougher. I mean, you know, gasoline has gone up. I don't completely blame the war. It has to be the greed oh, of these oil companies. <laughs> you know, these national uh, robber barons. You know, that say, "Great time, let's increase Diet Coke." by 50 cents, you know, uh, you drink something called ice. It used to be 90 cents. Now it's $1.40. They raised it 50 cents. And, uh, but my salary didn't go up. My contracts and everything, they're all basically on, on hold. But uh, my big concern is that uh, we have to hold out until there's a real uh, painful loss of some substance on Russia. And that could be being forced out of those areas that he, the, you know, those areas on eastern Ukraine that he's taken. Well, if we were to, to force him out, I think, I think it is. I think it is because I think we have the power. It's costly, but I think we have the military power to do that. And if we would, and but then again, what would he do? The other side is right. Uh, maybe Putin to avoid an embarrassment, but. There are all these rumors that somebody may pull off a coup there and get rid of him. That would be the best scenario. Oh, that'd be wonderful, but I don't see that happening. I don't either. But there's a lot of, uh, he has opened the door that will always be a problem for him moving forward. And I'm not sure he'll ever get out of that. Well, the last thing he wanted was to see most of Europe become united against him. And that's exactly what has happened because of his rolling into Ukraine. And that, me, that is one of, Let me ask you a question. Is Hungary, yep. is that part of NATO? I think they are. Yeah, yeah I, I do too. I, but they certainly have not been very supportive of our position. They've been more supportive of, you know, Putin. Well, Belarus, I know, is under Putin's thumb. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but I think the, the real issue is uh, Putin has done what Biden couldn't do. He's united the Europe. He's united NATO. He's reinforced uh, for us why NATO is so important. Um, and what we need to do, we, you know, we take it for granted that, oh, if uh, Putin invades, and I'm just saying Poland just off the top of my head, but if Putin invades Poland, NATO will be there to fight. But when we see the way the war is going, even today, even though I think we're doing pretty well, we could be doing a lot better. And I'm not sure that fight 
would move quickly to push Russia out of Poland. I would see something like that going on for a long time too. That would be very painful or well, other countries. I would see Poland standing up and fighting, resisting. I would see us helping out Poland, but based upon what other nations besides the United Kingdom have done against Russia in the Ukraine, I don't know how much support Poland would get. Yeah, I mean, there are some weak spots in NATO, but we now see those weak spots, don't we? Weak spots that we never knew existed. And I think moving forward, whenever if this is ever resolved, we need to look at this whole uh, picture of NATO, who was strong, who was with us, who was weak. Um, it's like a precinct organization. You look at your captains, who delivered the vote, who didn't deliver the vote, and you act and you replace them and you work, you know, otherwise, if you don't see that, you never know where your weaknesses is. So in a way, there is a benefit for the West um, to see how this plays out in a way that so far hasn't gotten out of hand. So you'd it be, will be interesting. You'd be an excellent diplomat for any American <laughs> administration explaining their position. I salute you. I compliment you. <laughs> Well, being Arab, uh, that would never happen because we're hated so much all over the world because we're from the Middle East. And, you know, sadly, I'm an Arab Christian. Yes, I know. And people and people don't believe that Arab Christians exist. I, I had one lady that come, came up to me and said, I can't believe you abandoned your Christian faith to become an Arab. I said, oh, okay. My mother went to the Church of the Nativity. So, so on this war, but back to your column, because your column talks about um, the fact that we really haven't won any major wars since World War II. Well, we did. I mean, Grenada. No, uh, no, I mean, I think pushing uh, Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait, I think, I think that was a major victory. It's major as you can get, okay? I well, mean, it's still... My point really is- He thought, he thought we allowed him to go in there. He, oh, yes. he thought we were letting him go in there. So we were just correcting a problem I think we created. Well, you see, I, I don't believe that we should spend our, send our troops, spend money, send in our military weapons, unless we're willing to go in full toot, okay? And we don't yeah. do that. We don't do that anyplace. The last time we really did it was in the Second World War. Yeah, you, know, you can't fight these wars with one hand tied behind your back. You're not going to succeed. They're going to go on and on and on. Afghanistan, how long were we there? Finally, Joe pulled the plug and ducked yeah. out. Why? Yeah, that's terrible. American people, they decided it wasn't worth it. You know, why should we stick around? What's going on there? Most of them probably didn't even know we were still there when he pulled the plug. And the people who are complaining today about, look what we did by you know, running out of there, uh, are the ones complaining about now, look what the Taliban, which has reinforced itself, is doing to women, you know, oppressing every, all the changes, all the positive changes have been thrown out. And uh, the Taliban, they were the base for Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. And although we got bin Laden, we haven't gotten rid of extremist religious fanaticism from that Middle East region. And the Taliban is a base waiting for another Osama bin Laden to come there and do what they're going to do. And I, I, I think we made a mistake. Yeah, I think you're right that if we go into war, I think the term is you got to go in with a full metal jacket. 
You Absolutely. know, you got to go in there with a gun and it has to be ready to go. You can't pretend using your hand and say, I'm going to fight you. You know, you have to be ready and committed. And I'm not sure we're there in this war. I don't think we've been there in any war since the Second World War, quite frankly. Okay. All yeah. right, enough of that. Let's move on to it. All right. Let's subject. go back to the political before, wars. Before we do that, though, sure. let, let me say this to you. We should have a podcast in the future where, quite frankly, it would be just you explaining why there are so many people in the Arab world that are anti-American. I mean, that, you, you know, I don't really know. I know they are. Let's do that. Let, let's do that yeah, one time. That. I think it's worth talking about. That would be a good subject to go through. Yes. I, just to tell you, though, I don't think they're they're anti that the majority are anti-American. I think they're just either disappointed or angry, you know, with what they see as hypocrisy, you know, political hypocrisy. But um, we that would be a great subject for a future podcast for two yeah, guys yeah, on I, politics. And you know what you're talking about there. You know. Well, I spent a lot of time you know, there. And that's what got me in trouble at, believe it or not, at the Sun-Times, wanting to cover the Intifada. And they said, no, we can't send you there. That's going to mess stuff up. So anyway, how about let's go to the Beirut on the lake, Chicago, Afghanistan. Chicago stand, as our friend John Cass refers to the city. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot wants, and uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker, our governor, wants to bring, they want to bring the Democratic Convention to national convention to Chicago. Um, and I think that's what, about four years from now, that's a 2026 convention, I think they're talking about. 2024. 2024. So, and that would be just in time for uh, Pritzker to run for president then probably, right? Absolutely. And, and Pritzker, and, oh, he could buy the convention and put it in Chicago. Uh, he could have it at his home. I think he could have it at his home if he locks up those golden toilets that were built in the mansion. I was going to say, <laughs> he'd have to put back the toilets. <laughs> he probably did. You I know mean, what? I, I believe he wants to run for president. I believe, yeah. you know, that's why he's going around speaking at various places around the country. And I believe he was the one that had the idea in the first place to bring the convention to Chicago. And of course, Lori Lightfoot is so desperate for anything that is favorable to her because her election is coming up soon. She's, she's definitely going along with it. Never has there been a person in politics who I personally have been more disappointed in than Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, it's uh, I, this whole, I think it starts with undermining the police um, and, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, uh, race politics, you know, can, pandering to her constituency, which has been, you know, which, you know, a lot of it is poor. And when you're in poor neighborhoods, the police are not looked at as your friends, because when you're hungry, you're going to steal bread. And then you may steal something else. And you feel that you have nothing else to do. And I'm not justifying it, but it puts you in conflict with the police. And she panders to that view. And her those votes are happy with that. They want that. They don't want somebody who supports the police. But she looks like she's turned around a little bit on that. I think she's uh, too late, though. Yeah, I agree. I think it's too late after everything she's done and what Kim Fox have done. Um, I think it's a horrible situation. Just like this police officer that was shot in the back. Here's an example of a police officer, Danny Golden, 
who was the perfect police officer. He puts his life on the line when he's in uniform and when he's not in uniform with his friends, he feels that he needs to step in and help people. And in the process of helping people, three uh, gang members um, who the police are already aware of, um, one of them goes to the, his car, pulls out a gun, gives it to the friend and the friend shoots 19 bullets and this Danny Golden gets hit in the back and he's paralyzed now from the mid uh, chest down. Um, and I'm wondering how soon will it be before those three suspects, you know, are slapped on the wrist and given like, uh, we'll put you in, you know, the poor kid, you know, he had a terrible life. He had no father. Uh, he, he was, he, look at his graduation picture, you know, they're going to build him up and uh, let's not be too rough on him. Meanwhile, the Danny Golden sits, you know, at home wondering whether he's ever going to have his life back. Well, let, look at the situation in the 19th Ward. Uh, the alderman there supported uh, Lightfoot when she first ran. It supported her very, very strongly, delivered extremely well for her. But he says today he cannot support her because if Good. he supports her, he would have a civil war on his hands in the 19th Ward. Good. I think that's Alderman Matt O'Shea. Is that who yes, it is? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, good guy. I mean, listen, when she first came in, because she was a former prosecutor, you would hope that she would do the right thing. But instead, I think she fell into this uh, Black Lives Matter movement, which said that any criminal who is hurt or killed by a police officer in the process of being arrested is going to be turned into a hero. And the police are the ones that are going to go to jail longer than a criminal would go to jail if they robbed and shot somebody. This, the, they put them 18 to 20, 30 years in prison and it's horrible, it's just terrible. So, but they bring the Democratic National Convention into that environment that we're just talking about. And uh, imagine, I remember I was talking and said, imagine when they have the convention that all the delegates are there from each state and their staff and what if one of their staff members encounters that criminal uh, you know, element in the everyday process of being at this democratic convention and God forbid something so serious happens that a life is taken, how does that make the democratic party look? Why would you risk that to bring it to Chicago? The only way the convention comes to Chicago, and I'm very serious about this, is if Pritzker buys it. Yes. If he buys everybody that has any kind of say-so on where the convention goes. Now, he's capable of doing so because of yes, all the money. Is. His motivation would be he wants to run for president. He's got a taste of power as governor of Illinois. He wants to get the ultimate position for power, which is the presidency of the United States. But there's no other way that convention has ever come in here because of all the problems that we have. It would be, it'd be, were I, you know, I just couldn't imagine it. I, I wonder what people in other states would think about when they see the record number of killings and daily, weekly shootings. Um, they're going to come to Chicago to vote for a guy who, you know, who is local, who orchestrated this whole thing. But you can't put it past Pritzker because he did a great job in orchestrating the election of Darren Bailey as the Republican candidate for governor. No question about it. No question about it. Uh, <laughs> they've done that in so many different states around the country. And yes. the amazing thing is 
that the mainstream news media almost never talks about it. If that yeah. was the Republicans doing it, oh, yeah. every night you hear about it, you know, how terrible it is, how illegal it is, how immoral it is. But because the Democrats did it to the Republicans, we don't say anything about it, you know, because the yeah. Democrats are good guys. Yeah. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about the speed camera issue. Um, it bothers me that, you know, there was always this uh, uh, tradition, I guess, for motorists that you could always go up to nine miles or 10 miles above the speed limit. And yes. if you went above that, then, you know, you'd get a ticket. Uh, police officers uh, throughout the state and I think across the country, five to 10 miles, you were a little maybe there might be something, but 99% of the time it wouldn't. Now she said it so you drive six miles over the speed limit and you're going to get a $35 ticket. And I actually got one going to my favorite deli, Manny's Deli at Jefferson and Roosevelt Road. And I driving down Roosevelt Road and I got a, a speed camera. I didn't even know I was going six and a half or seven miles over the speed limit. Um, and I didn't know it until like three or four weeks later when I got the ticket. And I'm thinking, well, how do I fight this? I have to write the check. But I did say between the crime now and the speed cameras, I don't think I, I have not been in Chicago now for the past year. I will not go into the city. Well, many, many other people feel exactly the same way as you do. Just think of all the money she'll make with her speed cameras if the NASCAR racers come here. She can set them up all around the course. And every time a car goes past there, she'll be picking up a lot of money for her treasury. I'm being She could. But yeah. Uh, That's, that's if the NASCARs don't get carjacked when they're in the pit stop getting their tires changed. Oh, wait, we're here to change the tires. The tires have been stolen. Where are they? Hey, you're in Chicago. Deal with it. I can just see the ads for that uh, NASCAR race. It, it makes no sense. If you don't have safety, if you can't guarantee safety, you have nothing. Nothing succeeds, whether it's a Democratic convention, whether it's NASCAR, uh, business. Um, if you can't guarantee at least some safety, and I'm not even sure that we even have some safety in the city of Chicago, um, that uh, I think this, uh, this would be horrible, that you can't do any of that stuff. I, uh, I wonder how many of those NASCARs are going to wind up in Lake Michigan if they actually come here. That's a very, very narrow course. Yeah. cars are very heavy cars. They're not yeah. Formula cars. They're not in Indy cars. They're very heavy cars. Yeah. They have a hard time turning. And I can just see a number of them flying off the street right into good old Lake Michigan. Yikes. That And that's another fact, another concern we have to worry about. But uh, I... I, just the idea of it being here, and I, my big concern is somebody comes here from another state, somebody famous, and then they get robbed, or they get carjacked, or they get beaten up, or they get injured. The ugly media image, locally they'll play it down to because of the mayor and the governor, but nationally we'll look, and it, when they attack Chicago, they attack suburban Cook County. They oh, attack the region. We take the brunt of it. They Half our money goes that we send down to Springfield, most of it goes back to help Chicago. So that, that's a terrible thing. So I'm, I'm worried about what's going to be happening with the, with the way the city of Chicago is. But that brings us to our, any other thoughts on uh, any of this, the convention? Would you like to make a comment? 
on the hearing that was held uh, last night? I was just going to say that personally, um, I there's I heard uh, Alan Dershowitz, who I don't always agree with, give a great explanation about what the problem is. Law abide breaking the law, criminal behavior, and being law abiding are two different things. I say I want to run for president, but I'm only 25 years old. That's uh, unlawful. I can't do it. But a crime goes beyond that. I think Trump was unlawful in his attitude, what he wanted to do. He wanted to overturn the election. Um, and I think he was justified in criticizing the election because I've covered Chicago politics. You've been in Chicago politics for years. When anybody says votes being stolen, that's impossible. I don't believe that. Because every election I've seen, it's always been a story, right? Right. Except when Trump wants to use it as a question. Now, he took it too far. I, I think he's not the best person. He's not the smartest person. Um, and I think he's made himself more vulnerable with the things that he said. But I do not believe that he committed a criminal act to direct those people to tear down and attack people at the Congress the way they did. I think he wanted a big protest. I think he wanted to show, you know, show a force that there are people out there that support me. We need to do something. Maybe Pence might have stepped in and done something unlawful, but not criminal. And I think that, uh, but, you know, there's so many, this world that's so polarized, right? There's nobody in the middle like you and me. Um, and I'm obviously on this issue, I'm pretty far to the right, but um, there's uh, no evidence, I don't think, of a crime. Um, and But the left is going to use this for one purpose and one purpose only. And I think uh, I, it was enough to get Adam Kinziger to step down, decide he's not going to run for re-election because he knows he can't win now. But Liz Cheney thinks she can win. But the polling that came out today in the Casper, Wyoming Tribune says that she's over 25% behind this unknown Harriet Hagman who is running against her. So you she know, can't win. About it. I mean, uh, Wyoming is still Trump country. No matter what comes out about this guy, there are a certain segment of American society is going to stick with him. I think he's a reprehensible character. I don't care if he did anything unlawful. I don't ever want to see him run for president again. I don't want to be president again. He is an insult to this country. But That's you why. have the power to stop him by your vote. That's why, uh, you know, we don't control, we shouldn't control people. Like I'm against this idea of term limits. And the reason I'm against term limits is it takes the power away from me as a voter to decide how long somebody should stay in office. We have the vote. If, and I agree with you, he can be reprehensible on a lot of things. He's done some terrible things. And I don't think he should be president again. I agree with that 100%. But I don't think that they should artificially create a reason to keep him from being president. I think they should do their job to convince voters that he shouldn't be president. Maybe they're doing that with this hearing. But I don't think they're going to prosecute. They want to actually uh, prosecute him and get a law that says he can't run. Because yeah. I don't believe they can stop him. They, they don't have the... Uh... Uh, you know, they don't have the ability to uh, prosecute him. That has to be done by the Justice Department. I don't know if the Justice Department are going to indict him on anything whatsoever, because if you indict him, 
you got to make sure that you convict them. Otherwise, yeah. you'll be a bigger martyr than ever. More and more people will support him. And I don't know what Democrat will be able to stop him in the presidential election, unfortunately. Uh, but you so and I, I was going to say, you and I talked earlier about what the real reason for all this, the abortion fight, you know, the uh, gun control fight and the January 6th riot or whatever you want to call it, insurrection or protest. Those three things have an ulterior purpose, don't you yeah, think? Sure. They're all, you know, the Democrats believe that those issues are going to save them in November. I don't believe that's true. I believe they're still going to lose the, the House of Representatives. I think they could lose the Senate, but they're in better shape now than they ever were before. One thing I want to mention, actually, it's two people. There were two presidential elections that were actually much closer than the one between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And that's one Kennedy beat Nixon. Now, Nixon, most people think, was a despicable character. He actually was a very good president in many, many areas, but he was paranoid, and that's what got him into trouble. Right. But his supporters wanted him to take that election results and take it into court across the country. And he said, no, you know, he's not going to do that because it'll tear the country apart and he doesn't want to do that. Al Gore, who I knew personally, who I didn't like at all, but his election was very, very close. It all depended upon Florida. His people wanted to continue to challenge it in court. And he said, no, the Supreme Court has spoken. That's it. I lost, you know, I'm going home. I admired yeah. the guys for doing that, unlike Trump. And let's go back to that uh, Kennedy election, uh, Nixon-Kennedy race. Wasn't it the mafia in Chicago that stole the election for Kennedy? And that wasn't that part of the reason why the mob was upset with Kennedy when he made his brother the U.S. attorney. And Bobby Kennedy said that the mafia and organized crime is the number one threat to the United States um, and caused the problem. It wasn't the issue when Kennedy and uh, Nixon ran the idea that the election was stolen by votes that were uh, for forged here in Chicago. The real truth of the matter was there probably were votes stolen in the city of Chicago, thereby putting Illinois in the camp of John Kennedy. But as it turns out, Texas also went for John Kennedy, which no one believed on election day was going to happen. Right. So even if there weren't votes stolen in Illinois for Kennedy. And even if he had not uh, captured Illinois because of winning Texas, thanks to Lyndon Baines Johnson, he still would have been elected president. So what you said is absolutely true, other than- But it wouldn't have made any difference. It wouldn't have made any difference. No. Well, isn't that, that, I think that's the case with Trump. I think that there were some suspicious voting practices that were really, uh, pushing the line. I don't like the fact that in some places, like in New York, they're saying that, you know, uh, undocumented residents can vote in elections. I don't think that's right. I think only American citizens, and you have to prove you're a citizen and register and show that you care and not just do it because you, somebody said, hey, we need to go up there and fill out a vote right now. You don't have to do anything. We'll just sign you in. But I do believe what you just said. 
I don't think that there was enough voter fraud to have uh, prevented Biden from winning. I think Biden won the election. Uh, and uh, a judge has overturned that uh, 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 ruling in uh, New York that non-citizens can vote. Judge thankfully. Says, yeah, thankfully, I agree. I, I thought that was outrageous that they uh, decided to do that. Uh, I don't know, there was something else I wanted to go into, but quite frankly now, I don't remember what it was. We, we've actually gone through a lot of stuff. The military, uh, the Democratic National Convention, speed cameras, and the uh, Trump, which I think is a kangaroo court. I'm going to label it for what it is. But um, that's not to say he's a great person. I, I'm more interested in the process being corrupted by people that have the power and the media to make it look bad. And, and I think it's wrong to do that. Um, if Lind Liz Cheney wanted to prosecute anybody for doing something illegal, she should look in her own family and prosecute her father for that war in Iraq and all the money that his company Halliburton made, you know, during that war. So, well, I mean, she, if she did that, I'd probably support her, but she's not going to do it. All I know about that war, Ray, is that uh, in order to gain the support of members of Congress, Dick Cheney, uh, General the African-American general, the force. Colin Major, Powell, Colin Powell. And oh, Don Rumsfeld uh, came around and uh, held meetings with members of Congress, uh, no more than six at a time, so the members of Congress could ask whatever question they wanted because they really wanted to get all the members of Congress on board. I went to one of the meetings and after they gave their spiel on why we should you know, do this, they asked any of us have questions. And Dick Cheney, your friend, said, we've got about 20 minutes for questions. Well, I was fortunate to ask the first question. And I said to Colin Powell, who most people consider to be the most honest member of that group of people, why is it that we are going in now? Why didn't we go in six months ago? Why didn't we go in a year ago? What has changed? And Dick Cheney at that point said, I'm sorry, we're out of time. We'll have to leave. And they all got up and walked out the door. Yeah, so I'm that was from where you are in regards to Dick Cheney. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of stuff and I think it's very interesting, Bill. Uh, so uh, let's end it here and let everybody know. We were late this week only because we had uh, some issues that came up on Thursday. Um, but uh, we will be back next Thursday to talk about some. We got some good topics that we're going to be talking about. And we hope you join us. So I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on Facebook and also um, uh, watching our listening to our podcast. Thank you, Ray.